Start your business for the freedom of time. Now you're tired of the hustle and grind. There's gotta be a better way. It's time to listen to Chill and Prosper. Welcome to Chill and Prosper. You're ready to chill and prosper with Denise Duffield Thomas. Hey, gorgeous. I'm excited about today's episode because we are talking about all the lessons that I've learned about being a millionaire. And this is cool because I love talking about money. Part of my, I guess, job in the world is normalizing talking about money and just making it normal and easy and yeah, like making you realize that it's just a normal, I'm just a normal person and I'm not anything special. But of course, I have learned a lot of lessons um, since becoming a self-made millionaire by the age of 35. I am almost 42 at the time of talking. And one of the reasons why I talk about this stuff is because I don't believe that talking about money is vulgar or bad. I don't think that having lots of money makes me better than anyone else. I don't think it makes me worse than anyone else. It just is what it is. And for a long time, I was frustrated that people just weren't talking about money. And obviously, so many of us have been taught that it's very impolite talking about money too. So part of my role in the world is just talking about money. I don't aspire to be a guru. I'm just happy contributing to this conversation around money and role modeling. I don't know, just a normal, normal person. So I'm not going to add a lot of disclaimers to each point because I feel like we're always pressured to, to, you know, of course, I acknowledge my privilege as a white woman who doesn't have any disabilities, who lives in Australia. I know how fortunate I am and I know there are real problems in the world. I know all of that, but I'm not going to add it to each point because it will just be, it will get long. Uh, So just assume, we'll talk about that at the start, I acknowledge my privilege and I'm super lucky and grateful and all those things. Um, Also, I'm not going to tell you how to get rich necessarily. This is just about normalizing money and just talking about money in no particular order. Now, I have done a blog post about this as well, so I pulled some of it out of out of it, but um yeah, I just wanted to add some extra thoughts around it. So, one thing for me about being a millionaire is that I often worry that my kids will grow up unmotivated and entitled. And I definitely romanticize growing up without money. I romanticize the idea that working hard is the norm. And I often say this to Mark too. I go, well, I had four jobs when I was at university. He's like, I know. And I say that to my kids too, because there's still a part of me that thinks my success has come from struggle. My success and my motivation or my ambition has come from struggle and that it's come from my work ethic, you know? And so I often do worry about not only that my kids will grow up without that resilience or work ethic, but that I will lose it by being too comfortable. Like if I get used to my success, then it will, like I just won't have any resilience in the world. So that's something that I kind of work on a lot because now I, I, I've met people who grew up rich and they are resilient and, you know, they are hardworking or they've got a good work ethic. And so that could be something for you as well of decoupling that idea that we can only be wealthy if we, you know, have this massive work ethic and we have to work really, really hard for it because that's not necessarily true. I actually have to work way less now than I did when I 
started out because I have to be way smarter about how I how I work. Anyway, that's one thing. One thing I have noticed though is how much of a lubricator money can be. You know, it does make life smoother. I love that I can fix things when they're broken. I can just buy things when I need them and I don't have to worry about unexpected costs. And I remember what that's like. If just one thing went wrong, it can just derail your whole month, your whole, you know, everything because it's, yeah, it's so important. But I do see that that's a really hard habit to get out of is um, like if you grew up poor and you're used to inconvenience because of money, it's a really hard habit to get out of. And I see this still with my mom. My mom will rather park somewhere, even if it's like really far away because she's like, well, I don't want to pay for parking. You know, whereas I'm like, well, I'd rather pay for parking. (laughs) I don't care. It's like such a little blip in my day, but it's really hard to get out of. And as a kid, like my mum couldn't buy lots of things. So we often just had what we needed at the time. And so I see her now, she'll buy like one carrot, one onion, instead of buying a bag of carrots, a bag of onions, because that's what she's used to. And so I see on the other side of it now, how money can just create ease and, you know, not having to worry about all of those little things. Now, why am I even sharing this? It's because I think sometimes we have really complex feelings about money and you might be on the cusp of a big leap in your business, a big leap in your income, and there's still a part of you that has com- complex feelings around it and you feel guilty around it. And even hearing me is, might be bringing some stuff up for you about, oh God, well, you know, I'll be such a lazy person or I'll, or I'll be so entitled or it's good to, you know, look at the dollars and, and keep an eye on those. So anyway, I notice in myself how I often use money just to solve problems. It's like, oh God, I'd rather just pay the money than have to think about it. And there can be some good and bad things around that. You know, I've noticed that sometimes instead of having an awkward conversation, I'll just throw money at it. You know, so that's that's something that's just, <laughs> it's true for some people without money. They can over deliver, they can help people out, they can have really bad money boundaries. So if that's you, you know, that's just something to look at as you receive more money, but also it's something to look at in terms of resisting making more money in the first place. You know, if you're someone who bails people out in your life, well, you might be resisting making more money because you're worried that people are going to ask you for more. So it's just something to think about. The other thing I've noticed too, as I've received more money and made more money is that I'm not that into physical possessions. And I thought that Uh, Being rich would be about having lots of jewelry or having shoes and things like that. And I really realized I actually don't have expensive tastes. And um, so I want you to reflect on that. Where do you feel like being rich means a certain dress code or um, a certain way of being? And I I can really reflect back this in my early days. I was like, oh, I'm I'm not polished enough to be rich. You know, like I don't have the right hair. I don't have the right nails. I'm not groomed enough. And that is because often the examples we see of wealth are TV examples or movie examples where the women are very, very thin. They're very fancy. They've got big jewels. They've got very, very fancy designer clothes, big high heels. And if that's your only example of wealth, it's just going to set up this real split in your mind of that's what I have to be like too. And 
if you have that picture that wealth doesn't look like you, you're kind of just pushing it away further and further because you might not take opportunities or you might not put yourself up for things or you might not be visible because you don't feel like you fit the mold. And this is why I talk about this stuff, not to like this whole episode is not uh, like to brag. It's just to say, hey, if you like being down, like wearing flip-flops, tracky dacks, <laughs> then you can be rich too. If you like shopping in thrift stores, you can be rich. There's no and or here. You really can redefine what wealth means to you. I still love getting a bargain. I actually really love um, Facebook Marketplace now that that's come out. I like buy stuff from Facebook Marketplace all the time. And even still, like when um, people put stuff out in their street, I'm like, "Mm, could I repurpose that? And I don't know if that's just part of growing up wealthy, uh, sorry, growing up poor, but um, even now, like it's not going to change. You know, if you like getting a bargain, you're probably still going to like getting a bargain. When I met Oprah and I said to her, um, cause she complimented my caftan and I was like, thank you. It's a Camilla caftan. And then I was like, I wasn't going to like wear Target to Oprah. And she went, excuse me, I shop at Target all the time. And I went, oh, of course. Why would I think that just because she's literally a billionaire, that she only wears fancy designer stuff. You know, we all have to redefine what that what that means for us. Um, you know, one of the coolest things about having money, being able to travel business class and first class. Now, it is expensive. Like I still think it's expensive. It's more expensive to to travel than it was for like my first probably three cars combined. But it is one of those really cool things where having the abundance to um, be able to get places rested and feeling really good it makes such a difference, you know, especially if you're traveling for work, you're traveling for a speaking gig, you're traveling for a networking conference. It's, it is really, really, really priceless. Um, because I would say that now time is more of my currency than money, time and convenience and pleasure and well-being. And because I'm the golden goose in my business, I always have to really watch my energy. I have to make sure that I'm taken care of. And in the early days, like I would travel economy, I'd be in the back of the plane, I would arrive somewhere, do a speaking gig on the same day. And I think even just sometimes having more abundance means you also have the courage to set boundaries with things. And recently I did a speaking gig And it was like a lunchtime speaking gig, but it was in a different city to me. It was a three-hour city away. And so, you know, I said to them, I need a hotel room the night before. And they're like, well, no, you don't. You just have to leave your house at five o'clock in the morning. And I was like, yeah, but I also have to get hair and makeup done. And like, I just said, that's the boundary because I know that I don't have to make do anymore. And maybe that's the confidence that comes with having more money is that you don't feel like you always have to be super cheap with yourself and, you know, uh, take that energy out of your literally your life force. Okay, cool. So um, I'm just going to take a quick break. Um, If you like this juicy honesty, I've got way more to come. I want to tell you about what some people get weirded out about when they find out that I'm a millionaire. All right, I'll be right back after this break. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Caps, and I live in Destin, Florida, where I work as a mental health therapist at my own private practice. I came across Get Rich Lucky Bitch because actually a client recommended it to me, and I am so glad that she did. 
The two things that really stood out to me in this book were one, upgrading my life, which was starting to make small changes to really show the universe that I was ready to accept the abundance that was waiting for me. And two, raising my prices. I started my business about two years ago, and since then I have been terrified to raise my prices. But based on Denise's guidance, I did it anyway, and I have been shocked to see the results. Not only have I not lost customers, but I've actually gained more of the kind of customers I'm really looking for and established myself as a valuable therapist with the education and expertise that is worth paying top dollar for. I can honestly say that Denise's book has changed my life and not just the way I handle my money, but also how I present myself as a businesswoman. I would highly recommend this book to anyone who wants to establish a better relationship with money and increase their income. Hey, and welcome back. And today we are talking about what it's like to be a millionaire. Again, this is not like a braggy lucky bitch Denise episode. This is just to normalize what it's like to have money, make it just a normal conversation, maybe dispel a few myths about it and hopefully give you some excitement to make more money in your business because if an idiot like me can do it, maybe you can do it too. (laughs) Um, So one of the weird things that I didn't expect about making more money is how other people have comments around it. And so for example, like when I was in a corporate job, you know, I'd have like the kind of older misogynistic men and they would, when I asked for a pay increase, they'd be like, oh, you get paid enough. Or like when I was your age, that was a great salary. And I'm like, oh, yes, but you're like 30 years older than me. And so now I, I often surround myself with, um, well, people who are not misogynistic. I mostly have women around me. I have a lot of friends in the queer community. Like we're just not like that. We're not you know, we don't have preconceptions about who's allowed to have money. And so often I meet older men who just don't know what to make of me. Like they'll say something like, oh, you, you're you very confident. You're a very confident young lady. Or they ask me what my husband does, or they'll brag about their success to kind of compete with, with me. It's really, really strange. And so I sometimes forget what role I'm supposed to play around them, which is like being very deferential and things like that. And so they just find that I'm a little bit arrogant or, you know, they'll ask what I do and I go, oh, I write, I write business books. And they go, oh, cool. I have, you know, is it just for women? I go, oh, you know what? Not exclusively, but mostly. And they go, well, what about men? And I go, oh my God, there's a million books written for men, you know, or they just, they will ask me what my hubby does, all that kind of stuff. And I go, he works for me. Huh, hair flip. So I find that, really strange because in in a lot of ways I'm still learning how to be a rich person I don't know how to act I don't know what's the I'm not as I I'm not fancy I didn't grow up wealthy and so I don't know what I don't know sometimes and there's just little things that maybe rich people know that I I don't know anyway The other thing on the other side of it now where I am in a place of privilege and comfort is how much of my life was often in the feast or famine cycle and how you can kind of get not addicted to it, but you can feel like you're anticipating it. And so even though making money feels really easy and fun to me, there's still part of me that's waiting for the crash and waiting for the bad thing to happen. We moved around a lot as a kid, like our our finances were very precarious and you know, when my mum made some money, like we'd have really nice yogurts and really nice food and then we wouldn't. And 
um, so I think there's it takes a while for your nervous system to overcome that. And that's not even a money thing. You know, rich rich families have dysfunction too. But just how much, like, my body's just not used to ease and for things just to be comfortable. I'm still kind of sometimes waiting for the rug to be pulled out under my feet or for me to have to go back and be a waitress or clean houses. And I think the reason why I share that too is because there's there's probably never going to be a, like an income level where you're free from your past. You know, I still have to work on that stuff all the time that I'm just like a scrappy kid from the Central Coast who grew up on welfare. And so much of that is part of my identity that who am I who is a very lucky, privileged, self-made millionaire who's part of the 1% who, you know, I'm building assets so I can build generational wealth, all of that kind of stuff. But it's it just doesn't, it's not quite always there for me, you know, like my nervous system still hasn't quite caught up. And that's, yeah, even though I, I would say my fight or flight response has lessened, it's still, it's still sometimes there because I can remind myself, oh, I can just solve problems with money and it's no big deal if, you know, a tire burst or something like that. Nobody died is basically, it's like, oh, I can just solve that with money. Um, something else that happens, like I still have money blocks and I still judge rich people. So I, I get triggered. I get disgusted by people who I perceive as wasting money. And, and that's weird, right? Because what's abundant for one person might be really just like nothing to them. And so I still judge people who have like three yachts or buy lots of expensive things because that's not me. But, you know, maybe that's a judgment that I have to let go of. And maybe you judge me and maybe even just hearing me talk so cavalierly about money when there are starving people in the world, that might trigger you as well. And, you know, as I said, part of what I do is just to talk honestly and openly about money. And hopefully that will give you permission to make money as well. Because you know what? I'm still a judgy bitch. I still sometimes judge poor people as well. You know, like I judge the way that some people I know spend their money, even when they don't have it. But you know what? If you're judgy now, you're going to be judgy with even more money. <laughs> um, so one of the cool things, there's lots of cool things about being a millionaire. And one of them was that I could retire my partner. And I've seen so much backlash around this where people go, I don't want to retire my partner. He's just going to sit around and do nothing or like how emasculating or whatever. So let me just speak to that. Um, Mark can do whatever he wants. If he wants to go back to university, which he's done recently to study, if he wants to get another job, if he wants to start another career, totally fine. I think what's been really important for us is to look at our shared values as a family and our, our values are freedom, adventure, abundance, and joy. Freedom, adventure, abundance, and joy. And so it got to a point where his corporate job was not freedom. Um, it wasn't abundance because his salary was capped. It didn't allow us to go on adventures when we wanted to. And it, it didn't necessarily bring either of us joy for him to have that corporate job. And so when I say I retired him, it he can do whatever he wants and he's a very ambitious guy. So don't feel like that's something you have to do or aspire to do or even that it would be negative. But for us, it's been amazing to have that abundance. Um, our kids don't remember ever Mark ever having to be in a job. Like this morning, he did Piper's hair, which was so cute. He did like these little 
pigtails. He can take them to school. He can pick them up from school. We went into the ocean after we dropped the kids at school. Like that freedom has been amazing and it's been so worth it to make money to have that freedom together as a family. But it doesn't have to look like that for you. It really doesn't. Um, People ask me what I spend my money on and I would say like I spend my money on convenience. (laughs) Um, I have a cleaner. I actually don't do any work at all around the house. I don't do any laundry. I don't do any cooking. I don't do any cleaning. So anything I can outsource, I will. So we have a daily housekeeper who comes and makes breakfast and does tidying and does laundry and does food shopping and food prep and, you know, those little errands to the post office and to pick up light bulbs and all that kind of stuff. She's the she's the boss of the house basically. But then everything else we can outsource we do, cleaner or getting our lawns done. We send our dogs to doggy daycare twice a week. We have a dog walker to come to help us out. So I definitely spend my money in convenience. And that means anything that will help me. I also spend my money on just like uh, accountability I think, you know, I have, instead of going out to yoga, I have a private yoga instructor to come to the house just for accountability. I hire coaches to help me. I have quarterly business planning sessions with somebody. Like anything I can do to like make my life easier and to stop me from sabotaging myself, I'll I'll do. <laughs> um, the other thing that is important to know is that when you make more money, you have to pay more taxes and you'll generally just have a lot of expenses like my I have a really abundant multi-million dollar house and so I have to pay lots of land tax I pay for security I pay for lots of maintenance I live near the beach and so I have lucky bitch problems because the sea air makes everything rust quicker and um, so that's not to complain but it's just that it's okay to to have those costs like it's it's okay to pay more taxes And if you can get okay with it where you're at right now, if you can get okay with outsourcing a little bit right now, then you'll increase your capacity to do so. You'll acclimatize yourself to be able to do so and to handle more complexity. My my tax bill is easily half a million dollars a year. And does that feel good? It feels okay. I don't feel triggered by it. I don't get angry about it. I don't expend a lot of energy on it. I just pay it. But that had to come from me dealing with the fact that I had to pay even a dollar in tax. You know, like each time I hit a new tax threshold, I had to give myself permission that not only was it okay to pay tax, it was okay to deal with complexity and I wasn't going to get in trouble. And I had to really like dig deep into those feelings of like, oh, I'm not enough or people are going to think I'm a fraud or I'm going to get into trouble. Those were the things that I had to get over. The other part though is it's really fun to give away money. You know, like when I was when I was really kind of um, starting off in my business and I would feel poor, I would give away $2 to a busker and I would immediately feel richer. I would hide money like in unexpected places because I knew that if someone found that it would make them feel abundant and it would be, I wanted to feel like Oprah, you know how Oprah used to give away cars and things like that. So again, don't wait until you're a millionaire to feel abundant, to feel generous and like a wealthy philanthropist. You can start now and seed that and then stretch yourself. So, you know, the first time I gave $20 to a charity, it felt really big. And then it was like, 
oh, then then $200, then $2,000. And, you know, you just stretch yourself, but you grow into that version of yourself to be that philanthropist that you want to be in the future. And sometimes now I have conflicting things about feeling like I'm responsible for everyone or I have to give away all my money. But I think to sum it all up, I'm pretty much the same person. I like the same stuff. I still like eating pizza. I still love going, like eating pepperoni pizza from Domino's. I have lots of cheap tastes, I, but I'm still the same person that I ever was. And that's why I wanted to do this episode. And I knew that for some people, it, w- it might make me sound out of touch or braggy or bitchy. I don't know. That's Maybe that's my stuff. But also part of it is just to let you know that it's okay for you to be you right now. It's okay for you to make more money with where you're at, with who you are, and acclimatize yourself to it bit by bit. You're never going to be perfect and you don't have to be, um, but that's okay. You can start with where you're at right now. And I believe in you. I think that you can be richer. I think you'll make a really nice millionaire. I can't remember who said it. It was like, I've never been a millionaire, but I think I'd be just darling at it. And recently I've been stretching my mindset about what would be possible. Could I be a billionaire one day? And I don't necessarily aspire to it, but I was like, hmm, I bet I'd be just darling at it. I bet I would be super generous and fun. And so each time you have those feelings, like look to somebody who you could emulate and aspire to be. So I love looking at Sarah Blakely, the creator of Spanx. She's a billionaire. She's super fun. She's really generous with her friends. Um, She gives back. She's creative. She seems to be a really cool chick. So yeah, it's always fun to look at the next level and to see what comes up for you. Well, thanks for joining me on this conversation. Um, I will be right back with my final thoughts after the break. Hello, I'm Diana with ProCoach CEO, and I live on Dolphin Island in the Gulf of Mexico, and I'm a law of attraction business coach. Summer of 2020, I read Denise's Get Rich Lucky Bitch while at my office on the beach. Denise's unapologetic strategies taught me to value my worth, charge accordingly, which helped me to align with my true self, create a bitchin' business model, and feel like the business-savvy CEO of my brand. Hi there, I'm Jamie DeMarco, dating and relationship coach and founder of Find Your Fairy Tale. And I love Denise and all of her books. I've binge listened to Chillpreneur, Get Rich, and Lucky Bee. And honestly, they've been totally life and business changing. The Money Manifestation soundtrack, pure gold. I feel like every time I put it on, money just tends to magically come to me. (laughs) I'd recommend all of Denise's books to anyone that wants to live an easier, chill life of abundance, love, and prosperity. Hey, gorgeous. Welcome back. And here's my final thought for today. I heard this a long time ago. I have no idea where it came from, but it was like, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? Do you want to be right or do you want to be free? And this this one really shifted something in me because like I'm a Virgo. I'm right about pretty much everything. And I can be very righteous about what I'm right about as well. And so I started saying to myself, do I want to be right or do I want to be rich? And here's where it comes up for me. Sometimes if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll see that I sometimes get into random internet fights with people because I want to be right. And I can sometimes really just like get caught up in that person's wrong. And like, I'll just literally say to people on Twitter, like, you suck. I hate you. You're wrong. (laughs) 
I'm on Twitter at Denise DT, by the way, if you want to see. Twitter is like my, that's my kind of political self. It's and not so chill sometimes, Denise. But like I have to remind myself, do I want to be right or do I want to be rich? And I don't have to get involved in every fight. I don't have to get everyone over to my side. I actually just put out what I can put out. And so even when it comes to writing your book, creating your course, doing your business, like not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to agree with you. And that's fine. You don't have to help everyone. Uh, So just you can only offer what you can offer. You can only write what you can write. You only know what you can know. So I don't know if that's going to help you this week, but it really does help me. And I really needed to remind myself about that this week. Do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Sometimes you can be both. Sometimes you can't. And you can just choose. I'd rather be rich than right 100% of the time. (laughs) I don't know about you. (laughs) Okay, my gorgeous one, go forth, chill and prosper. Peace out from me and I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chill and Prosper. Tell your friends to chill and prosper. Review and subscribe. We hope you had a very good time.